two humorous nurses would like to acknowledge the true custodians of the land in which we record our podcast, the Yorta Yorta people. We pay our respects to Elders past and present and extend our respects to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islanders listening today. Always was, always will be Aboriginal land. We are so excited for this episode to be sponsored by eNurse. eNurse is Australia's leading one-stop nurse shop. eNurse specialises in everything a nurse or nursing student would need to survive. From comfortable, stylish and keep you cool under pressure elite hair scrubs to handheld study guides, nursing equipment and even a travel coffee mug for those long commutes. eNurse will be your new favourite online shop for all things nursing. Head to www.enurse.com.au and use our code HUMOROUSNURSES for a cheeky discount. Two Humorous Nurses with Kelly and Alicia. A podcast that wonders, is it a headache? Is it a premenopausal headache? Is it a tumour? What? It's not a tumour. <laughs> might be a tumour. <laughs> been waiting for my moment to say that. Uh, welcome to Two Humorous Nurses, where we plan to bring you funny, informal, conversational chat about all things nursing. Today we're delving into the world of people who appear to be sick all the time, but are they sick? Are they faking it? Munchausen's and Munchausen's by proxy. Now, I'm going to be honest. I've absolutely no idea about either of these things. I mean, I know about it from like TV shows and what people talk about, but like it's just assumed knowledge. It's not actual knowledge. I've actually seen, I've nursed a patient with Munchausen by proxy and she was like 13 and in a wheelchair. It was awful. And there was actually nothing physically wrong with her. So she um, didn't have Munchausen's by proxy. Her mother did. Oh, well, then, her, yeah, mother did. Yeah. Mm. Um, it was really, really sad. I th- like a fucking devastating when it happens to children. Like I've never seen it, <clears throat> um, you know, but I think I think I have a theory about one other patient, but I, it's not confirmed and then the patient died. So, um, but, yeah, I've had... I've had a little bit to do with um, people who've. What, so, mm-hmm. so I didn't realize it was the it was the the perpetrator that. Anyway, we'll get into that because <laughs> maybe I'm learning too now. Yeah. Um, but I'm going to go into Munchausen's. You are, um, and I'm so, like super excited to learn about this. So yeah, I mean, it's really mm. it is fascinating. Like I think people hear about it, and I think as soon as somebody's a hypochondriac, they're like, oh, they've got Munchausen, like. I think um, it's But probably- even like when you joke yourself, like when you're like, if you have a run of sickness, yeah. we're like, is Jess really just sick with everything this winter or does she have Munchausen's? <laughs> like, Maybe you know. she has Munchausen by proxy because all the kids keep getting sick. <laughs> 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 just kidding. Love you. Uh, she'll be listening to this yeah. too. <laughs> um, right. So Munchausen syndrome also known as factitious disorder imposed on self, which mm. that's news to me. I'm, I'm learning. Look, is when um, this is like the simplified version. Like the DSM-5 is um, obviously far more specific and talks about specific symptoms and things. But um, basically it is the gist of it is that this person tries to get attention and sympathy by falsifying, inducing, and or exaggerating an illness. So, um and it's it's honestly like because of an inner need to be seen as ill or injured and it doesn't it's not actually like their goal to achieve a concrete benefit like getting medication so they're not drug seekers and they're not there for financial gain like they're not trying to sue a doctor for malpractice like they they're literally there because they have this incessant mm. relentless need to be seen as ill or to be getting like nurturing affection attention sympathy um and it's it's such a strange thing and um anyway i've got some facts about it it's so good actually and it's distinguishable from malingering which is where someone exaggerates or fakes an illness to get out of work or like to start a gofundme or something like that purely Mm. has has a benefit like that bell gibson yes um, it was named after, I love this, Baron von Munchausen. I know, I saw I that know. and I was like, 
Wow. I didn't know that. I thought it, I mean, yeah, I mean, I, I assumed it was named after someone, I guess. I never really thought about it. Well, someone has to discover it. It's usually, like, and then they name after it. But, like, the story behind it, I was like, oh, that's really interesting. Yeah, so he's an 18th, he was an 18th century German officer who was known for embellishing the stories of his life and experiences. Oh. <laughs> Most symptoms in people with this disorder are related to physical illness, which I think is crazy interesting because, yeah. I mean, I guess mental illness has a lot of stigma around it, so maybe they don't feign mental illness, but they often feign physical illness. Like, and and. It's interesting because a lot of the stories that I read, these patients are so good at getting admitted to hospital. Yeah. Like, they're so good. They've got the perfect story. They come in with hemoptysis. They can't prove it, but they come, they come in with it. And obviously that raises red flags. Like, and, and, or they come in with chest pain or they come in with, um, you know, signs and symptoms of an acute abdomen. Mm. Um, <clears throat> And rather, but they don't, but they don't present like suicidal and they don't present, um, you know, they don't present for mental illness, which. Because they don't want to be crazy, I guess. They just want to be unwell. And maybe they don't want to be discovered. Like if a psychiatrist gets to them, they're fucked. Like, yeah. (laughs) I just want a surgeon to get to them. Cut them open. Exactly. (laughs) Um, And so some of their symptoms are actually like self-imposed. So they Mm. will cause symptoms in themselves. Like they might even physically harm themselves um, in order to get that attention and to fake that illness, whereas other times they'll just exaggerate something, whether it's a limp or, yeah. Um, So, and I think the thing about this is because it's so behavioural, like it's really, Mm. it's probably underdiagnosed and they can't really get, like, no one can get statistics. Like, it's really difficult to study it because these patients are also dishonest. Like, yes. they can't be trusted. Yeah. <laughs> um, and We already say patients lie. Yeah. You know, lie. <laughs> yeah. And um, I think because people with Munchausen tend to, like, doctor shop and they all present mm. to different healthcare facilities and they will, like, so... And sometimes they'll give different names. So um, it causes a lot of like misleading statistics and they'll give different birthdays and they'll like, because they don't want a pattern to show up anywhere. Um, In a national hospital discharge survey in 2013, there were 6.8 cases of a factitious disorder per 100,000 patients, but it's unclear how many of those had Munchausen specifically. Yeah. Um, And... (laughs) This was my favourite fact that I found. Researchers have noted that females who work in the healthcare community are most likely to have Munchausen syndrome. Mm. Is that fucking crazy? Like yes. because you've got you've got profound medical knowledge, and maybe yeah. and but it's it, it's interesting. Like I I went and looked at a few stories on Reddit and tried to look into some people like you know admitted that and and some people wrote a whole story about their experience with having Munchausen a couple of them you could tell were trying to recover and a couple of them were very much like in it for the sympathy like Mm -hmm. which was an interesting like a a different angle was like feel sorry for me I have Munchausen Uh, (laughs) but you're not okay yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. also as someone that works in the healthcare industry why would you want to spend more time at the hospital that you're not paid for <laughs> like <laughs> go yeah, home and then be like oh i might pop back to the urgent care with an acute abdo tonight oh, yeah. i feel like it's the most embarrassing <laughs> thing when you have to go into work because oh. you're sick like i yep. hate it oh, i only too. go as like a last resort and even now i was supposed to go back into work to sign another leave form and I'm like, oh, I'm on crutches. Like, I don't want people to see me. I seen you in the car park the other day. Actually, I went to yell out the door, but I was like, oh, you won't be able to see me through the fence. I can only see you. Seen you hobbling oh, along with your crutch. It's funny when we pulled up, I was saying to me, that's where Kelly works. Yeah. I was um, watching you. I know. And I'm like, oh, well, did you see us turn around? Because I was supposed to, I was going to drop in my medical certificate. And I'm like, no, I don't want people to see me on crutches. I was <laughs> photo of it and send it in I don't care and um I'm like oh it's so embarrassing and um yeah anyway do you really so, need them though do I really need them yeah are you really well, maybe that I sick have yeah. maybe I'm just looking for sympathy <laughs> I'll tell you though like I 
I'm more using them like for stamina, like to get mm. get more out of my day. Like, does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because and even today, and like, you should I would, use them because it'll take the pressure off. Oh, exactly, and like yeah. it means that I can last longer throughout the day if I'm using yeah. them in the morning and stuff. But yeah. um, yeah. Anyway, I was in a I was in a shopping center today, and um, I've like used them to get from the car and to get into the shopping center. And then um, Ollie was like playing in this like indoor play area thing. And then I'm like, oh, I'm just going to go to chemist warehouse. And I left them behind. And I'm like, I swear people must look at me and be like, she's fucking faking it. She doesn't yeah. need it. She can walk. <laughs> so, I'm like, I don't need them, but I re- I require them to get through my day. Yeah. Um, And then I had so this is this is crazy too. So this, I mean, I shouldn't say crazy. Crazy is like a yeah, yeah, a taboo word in mental illness. But uh, um, it's this, and I'm, the synonym for crazy is insane. So that's probably not a good adjective either. Um, but I found um, Munchausen syndrome by internet. Oh, the, the internet would have upped the Munchausen's game. Oh, so absolutely. Much. Google would have been technology. Like- Oh. Technology has changed everything. Yeah. So um, the online community obviously has groups for people who have certain like niche interests or common yeah. um, problems and things like that. And um, and for example, it might be something like young people with Parkinson's disease or whatever it is. Yeah. And they're obviously meant to be a safe space for where you know people can go and network and and meet people in similar situations and have like a peer support group and that kind of thing. And um you know, talk about their symptoms and share tips and provide support. Um, but then sometimes people join the groups and pretend to have that illness. Oh, no. And it was <laughs> – so, and if you're one of these people, so if you have Munchausen syndrome by internet, you might do the following. You might say you have symptoms that are far more severe than anyone else's, claim to have nearly died and had a miraculous recovery, um, paste information copied from a health website into your posts, contradict yourself, lie about what hospital you went to, what medicines you take, etc. Um you might lie about being the victim of a crime. Um and then also like you can you can see that if somebody else has got all the attention then they try and get the focus back on them like, oh I'm back in hospital. Uh, blah blah blah. Like it's very um it's it's bizarre. It's yeah. it's, it's um it's just a line of online catfishing in the medical, like in a world of people that are just genuinely already mentally yeah. unwell with yeah. fictitious things. And then you have someone that's going in there pretending to be mentally unwell, pretending to be ill, catfishing <laughs> them. It's fucked. It's so confusing. It's so confusing. But I think I like it's a really hard one because mm. because it's so behavioural. Yeah. It would be very, it's very easy to look from the outside and be like, this is fucked. Like, yeah. And how cruel. And, you know, what a waste of time, resources, energy, money, whatever it is. And then empathy and compassion from staff that work with them. Like, it's, it would, it's very easy to hate on them. But at the end of the day, like, a lot of it is, is uncontrollable for them. Absolutely. Like, I think, you know, um, Interestingly, I keep feel like I say interesting about ten thousand times per episode, but it it's so good it for us because we yeah yeah, <laughs> and because we learn too as we go. Like someone had suggested that we did this episode, and I'm like, yes, good excuse to learn. Do you reckon we can put this on our CPD? I hope so. Yeah, why not? So this is like our reflection of our learning. We'll, oh, just, we'll just say to the anime or the um opera, like, just listen. Yeah. <laughs> write that in the notes on the app. Yeah, write that down. <laughs> <laughs> so the causes of Munchausen is they're not known basically, mm. but researchers believe that um psychological factors play a role in the development of the syndrome. Some theories suggest that a history of abuse or neglect as a child oh. or a history of frequent illnesses requiring hospitalization yeah. might be factors associated with the development of the syndrome. Other triggers might be experiencing the death of a loved one at a young age and abandonment. Researchers are also studying the possible link with personality disorders, which are common in these individuals. And then research also indicates a genetic component to the disorder. Mm. 
I feel like there's so many factors in this. Like it's basically saying like anyone who experienced trauma in their developing years is at risk of, of ending up. I feel like I nearly ended up with this because when I was a kid, I used to fake every injury because my mum would never feel sorry for me for anything. Do you think that, um, or does it, are you going to explain the symptoms of it? Like what, yes. what, like how do you get diagnosed with it? Well, what mm, do you have yes. to have? Yep. So the symptoms, um, basically, uh, uh Sorry, I've interrupted your flow. I'm just really intrigued. Yeah, good one. So, yeah, sorry. <laughs> so, but some possible warning signs of Munchausen's could be um, dramatic but inconsistent medical history, unclear symptoms that are not controllable and that become more severe or change once treatment has begun. Yeah. This one is this one is huge for me, this next one, because you see this a, a lot and it always raises an eyebrow in nurses' As soon as this happens, when someone has extensive knowledge of hospitals and or medical terminology, as well as the textbook descriptions of illnesses. Yeah. And that one always like makes the hair stand up on the back of my head. When someone comes in and they know the system and they know like they know the terminology and they're not they're not healthcare workers or they're not nurses, and the way that they talk, like they'll go, Oh yeah, that's BD. And I'm like, mm, that's interesting. If you're not a person, you're saying that. Like, no one would know what that is, what that means, if they're yeah. not working in healthcare. Like, things like that um, always kind of raise a little red flag or a bell start ringing in the back of my head about this is a bit odd or unusual. Yeah. Um, medical knowledge can be quite extensive from many hospitalizations or from a prior job. Appearance of new or additional symptoms following negative test results. So mm. it's like if they get pushed back, they up the ante. Yeah. Presence of symptoms only when the patient is alone or not being observed. I think I've probably um, looked after patients who have the, who've done that, like who who have faked yeah. issues and things like that, um, like seizures or fainting or yeah, um, yeah really. And, yeah, and you only know about it when you find them because they've made this big loud crash bang noise in their room and then you find them on the floor totally unharmed, having passed out, whatever. Um, willingness or eagerness to have medical tests, operations or other procedures. Mm. More comfortable being in the hospital than you might think. That's another thing when people are really comfortable being in hospital. I'm like, hospital is not a comfortable place. Yeah. Hospital is usually cold there's usually like breezes blowing there's noises everywhere there's filthy people with their balls hanging out like <laughs> it's it's not a it's not like home like if no. you'd rather, if you'd rather be here than at home yeah. there's a problem um and i mean maybe some people are just lonely and i get that yeah but, for sure but i think that's um another red flag uh, history of seeking treatment at numerous hospitals, clinics, or doctors' offices, possibly even in different cities. Oh God, I see that all the time too. Yeah, reluctance by the patient to allow healthcare professionals to meet with or talk to family, friends, or prior healthcare providers. Mm. Um, it's difficult to be diagnosed because of the dishonesty and because mo- there's always multiple um, healthcare pr- providers involved with these patients. Yeah. And um, healthcare providers have to rule out any possible physical and mental illnesses and often use a variety of diagnostic tests and procedures before considering the diagnosis. And I guess that's the other problem because by doing all of these tests, you end up feeding them yeah. or then the results come back negative. So then they've got more symptoms and it would just be some, like it would be an awful cycle. Yeah. Um, If somehow it is diagnosed, I wonder if it's more because the patient has self-awareness and they know that they're doing it to themselves and they want to get help. Like, yeah. Um, and, but usually these patients are unwilling to admit or seek treatment for the syndrome itself. Mm-hmm. And um, again, then that makes treating it challenging. And then recovery outcomes are usually really poor for these patients as well, um, which is really sad. Like, imagine being so caught up in your like obsession. Yeah. It, it's almost like an addiction. Yeah. Um, that you 
that you, I mean, it, it, it seems a lot like an addiction, like that you yeah. are so wound up in it that you can't, that you don't have insight. So then you haven't, you can't get to the point of recovery because you don't have that awareness. And I guess if you keep getting what you want out of it, so whether it's another blood test or a yeah. bit of attention or a new specialist or another scan or an operation, yeah, then you're feeding that, that illness the mental illness side of it. Yes. And yeah. it just and it, and it always surprises me how far these patients can actually get with actually getting procedures done because we yeah. have to rule out things and sometimes yeah. to be ordered to do that they need to have a laparoscopy or like Exactly. Or you know because if we don't do it then it could be um you know it could be mistreating them. Absolutely. Um I think like Things that I have heard about, not things that I've directly and and things that I had read about, um, is that like people will purposely contaminate wounds, um, sure. and yeah. they'll become like chronic wounds, and then they'll need yeah. dressings. They might need district nursing, and um, and then they continue to interfere with them, yeah. so that they continue to need treatment for them. Um, and obviously, then that I mean that's like a level of self harm. Like that's like of course, yeah. Um, you know, it's it, it's all kind of intertwined, I guess. Um, other things I've seen is like if they do have a med- genuine medical problem or medical device, they interfere with those yeah. um, be, and because that obviously becomes quite dangerous and they can get quite sick from that. But that's part of the thing. They're like, if I get quite sick, then I'll get genuine attention and I'll yeah, get that's genuine right. um, treatment and, and it, I'll get, you know, like some people might if they've got if they've got a line or something like they – they might like a, or a fistula. They might actually intentionally interfere with that and intentionally harm themselves in yeah. order to get what they want. It's like um, a reward at the end of the day. Isn't it, it is, yeah. yeah, yeah. And and they're never gonna re- and like met mm. like the um the treating team are never gonna remove the the like whatever it is the implant or whatever it is because it's necessary for them mm. anyway. But it's like it's again it's like always upping the um the stakes yeah i've got a couple of stories from reddit that i i found like i was trying to find someone who had nursed somebody or or treated somebody with munchausen and then um someone who admits they have munchausen which is quite interesting but um so the first one is uh from reddit and it this is like directly from their um thread so it says we had a patient with electrolyte abnormalities that recurred and recurred, just like the board say she was a former nurse. It was determined that she was self-administering diuretics, which was confirmed by her husband. It was such an issue that we stuck her in the ICU and we put her on video monitoring. Even wow. though she knew that she had 24-hour monitoring, she couldn't resist and pulled out a bottle of pills from her purse. When she was confronted, she denied taking the pills despite all the evidence she stuck to her story the entire time. Definitely psych-worthy. Although she's not our problem, I'm betting she's pulling the same shit somewhere else. Oh, God. And, like even though she knew she was going to get caught, she just couldn't help mm. but, but sabotage her like treatment. It's a compulsion. And, and, yeah. Um, the second one is this is just like a um, paragraph from this. It was enormous, this story. Like I didn't even get through the whole thing because it would have taken me an hour. Um, and this was, which is, I don't know, ironic because it's the patient with Munchausen, so obviously wants people to read their story. Yeah, exactly. Um, and it, this was just um part that stood out to me. It all started at the age of six when I began to envy my peers who had injured themselves. Just two days after a friend of mine broke her foot, I ran around the house after dinner with the intention of accidentally hitting my ankle against a wall. Despite the fact that it's nearly impossible to accidentally bruise the front of your ankle by running into a wall, I continued with my charade until my mother gave me a look that meant, I know you're not hurt, so cut it out. I immediately felt ashamed of my actions, mostly because of the euphoric adrenaline that surged through my body while someone thought I was in pain. That initial feeling of intense satisfaction and a job well done is what kept me faking my own injuries throughout most of my life. I read another story about a girl whose brother was a type 1 diabetic and growing up she watched him, everybody cared about him more. Everybody was worried about what he was eating and whether he was like and and how much medication to give him and, you know, their whole lives revolved around him and him being well that 
um, eventually she started to fake things so that her family would like pay attention to her basically. And she said that, um, that she's now like only seeing one doctor and forcing herself, like, because she actually has some awareness that, that, that really her illnesses and things like are, um, just attention seeking. Yeah. And then it's just, yeah, gone. Yeah, crazy. Like I don't want to say crazy, but I mean, like oh, not crazy, like not crazy, crazy as in like, but as know, in like crazy. out of this world, like yeah, unbelievable uh, that this can another happen. Another word for it, yeah, unbelievable. Yeah, yeah. I need to say interesting and unbelievable. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, that's sort of where I mm. where I got to. That's do, it's yeah. it's interesting because it's obviously, as they say, like very difficult to diagnose. If you do diagnose it, like how do you know you are diagnosing the right thing? It leads into a world of other things, you know, if they are actually making themselves sick, like physically sick, then how do you treat that? Like the this would be like a cognitive behaviour therapy treatment because it's not physical. It's not maybe I don't know if there's medication to treat the mental side of it. Like it, it the whole I wonder thing if it's is like, so difficult. It's- I wonder if they would use similar treatments, like because we say it's like an addiction to these people. Like, mm. I wonder if they would use similar treatments. I wonder if like ECT or something would be indicated. Well, ECT then, is really only for deep depression, isn't it? That's all I they suppose mean. it is now, isn't it? Yeah. I just I don't know. It would. I I feel like it's incredible that it's even been like identified as an as a as an illness because yeah. and like because how hard to catch people people out on this like and you know what happens in the medical system like people would come and then everyone would roll their eyes going well so-and-so's here again like yeah, I wonder we what are, this the frequent flyer. you know you've got to take it, it somewhat seriously because yeah. then if it does happen to yeah. be that this time they are having an ami no that's um, right yeah you know, <laughs> that you have to like you you've got an obligation to take that yeah. seriously and um so then you're feeding it even more yeah like it's just yeah i don't know how do you how I don't even know how they've ever caught anyone out, like other than unless standing people going, have come forward and said, like people have come forward. I fake my own illnesses. Yeah, like I'm I'm unwell. Like you need to help me. I can't stop. Yeah, which yeah, I mean, from what I could find, there was a very minimal percentage of patients who've done mm. that or who who are trying to recover. Like yeah. I think well, I guess maybe if you don't even know you've got it either. Like Well that's yeah. But if they're cutting there was another one who there was another one who they couldn't figure out why this woman had blood in her urine and it turned out every time she went to give a urine sample she would be slitting like putting cuts in her labia so that there would be like drops of blood in the urine mm-hmm. like fresh fresh blood. And like you can't tell me that they don't know they're doing that. Yeah. Like that's they don't think I'm sick cuz there's blood in my urine. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. 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 It's anyway. too it's too, too complex much. for my little brain. It's a lot. <laughs> as Abby Chatfield would say. It's a lot. It's a lot. <laughs> Alicia, nurses deserve to have nice things in their life. Absolutely. And eNurse is the place to get those things. Comfy scrubs, comfy shoes. They even have your pink sketches online, I Kelly. I saw that the other day. I'm always after novelty pens, stethoscopes, scissors, cute retractable badge reels, and I get my coffee every morning in my reusable coffee mug. Sustainability is always in my mind. Um, I love the fun e-nurse coffee prescription mug. It keeps my coffee hot all morning because I'm still drinking it at lunchtime. You know, as you like to drink cold coffee, but I do not, but that mug yeah. actually, like, <laughs> it, my coffee is, like, scalding still after, like, half an hour. Yeah, it's and it keeps my margarita hot cold on a friday (laughs) for all these useful items and much more be sure to check out the extensive range online enos takes pride in their holistic approach to nursing they don't just sell equipment and scrubs they support the professional and personal needs of individual nurses enos are all about making nurses lives better both at work and at home so head to www.enurse.com.au and be sure to use our discount code Humorous Nurses at the checkout for a sneaky little discount. Sneaky, sneaky. Um, right. Well, I'm doing Munchausen's by proxy. Mm-hmm. Um, 
This one is mega fucked. This is mega fucked. So Munchausen's syndrome by proxy uh, was a coin, (laughs) was a coin, was a term coined by (laughs) pediatrician Professor Roy Meadow. How funny is Dr. Meadow as a pediatrician? You can't get like a cooler name really. Um, His name was Dr. Kidd. Oh, yeah, I suppose. But Meadow is pretty Every time I hear Meadow, I'm like, one man went to Mo, went to Mo a Meadow. Um, anyway, no. anyway, um, that was back in 19, no, 1977. Um, the term refers to the circumstance where the child is the subject of a fabrication of an illness by the parent. Is it always a child? Or caregiver, yes. Oh, okay. Well, not always. Sometimes those children grow into adults. Mm-hmm. Um, it is thought that the parents. <laughs> they don't get killed. <laughs> yeah, that's right. The parent with Munchausen syndrome by proxy was motivated to try and gain attention from medical professionals by inducing or fabricating the sickness in their child. Um, in Meadows' first article, he explored two case studies of children admitted to hospital with illnesses thought to be fabricated or induced by their carers. He wrote, these two parents flourished whilst in hospital as if they belonged and thrived on the attention that the staff gave them. In these cases, it was as if the parents were using the children to get themselves into a sheltered environment of the children's ward surrounded by the friendly staff. So basically, it's about where the person with Munchausen's by proxy is seeking to gain the attention of the Mm. medical help by exaggerated or made-up symptoms in the child in their care. Um, It's not about the child, which is, I don't know why I always thought it was about the kid, but it's not. It's about the the kid had Munchausen by proxy, but I nah, the parent yeah. has it or the carer it's has being it. Being inflicted on them. Yes. Yeah. Um. So health, as the healthcare providers strive to identify what's causing the child's symptoms, the deliberate actions of the parents or caretaker can often make the symptoms worse. Um. The ber- the person with Munchausen's by proxy does not seem to be motivated by a desire for any type of material gain. Um, while healthcare providers are often unable to identify the specific cause of the child illness, they may not suspect that the child's parent or caregiver are doing anything to harm the child. In fact, most of the time they appear to be very loving, caring, caring and extremely distraught over their child's illness. They might create or exaggerate a child's symptoms in several ways by simply lying about the symptoms, by altering the tests, such as like contaminating the urine samples, falsifying medical records, or they may actually induce symptoms through various means, such as poisoning, suffocating, starving, and causing infection. Um, So in Australia, Munchausen's by proxy, Munchausen syndrome by proxy was a term previously used, but now they've changed the name, just like in in your case, they've changed the name to fabricated or induced illness by carers. Gosh. Yeah. Um, Which is good. I think that resolves the confusion, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah. So in Australia, the fabricated or induced illness by carers is considered child or victim abuse rather than a mental health condition. Um, It's not actually listed in the DSM. That's so interesting. Isn't it? I wonder why, I mean, I guess because they're not just doing it to themselves, they're involving an innocent person in that. Yeah, they're abusing. And so it would become, because I wonder if that is because if they were to go to court, they couldn't plead like being medically unfit. Like they, because, you know. I think um, that they sort of cover, I sort of cover a little bit down the track, but they basically. Um, the carer may deliberately poison or harm a child to procure unnecessary tests and procedures. The most common form of abuse is appears to be apnea um, by Whoa. smothering. So the child may be revived by ambulance officers and taken to hospital where the tests prove negative. Sometimes the child doesn't survive the care-induced apnea. Yeah. That's so fucked up. Yeah. Other most commonly reported um Problems include, other than the apnea, anorexia or failure to thrive, mm-hmm. diarrhea, seizures, cyanosis, behavioural issues, 
allergies, fevers, vomiting, bleeding, rashes, infections, like all the things a parent could pretty easily induce in a child. The one that the one case that I've seen was that a parent was like psychologically like convincing the children that they were physically incapable of doing things. Yeah. And like that that blew my and so then they atrophied these kids. Yeah. They couldn't they couldn't function because they weren't doing anything. Weren't moving. For months. Yeah. Like it's just actually extremely rare. Um oh. with estimates suggesting around fifteen to twenty four cases in Australia every year. Um that's mother, still fifteen to twenty four way too many. Way too many, yeah. The mother is generally the perpetrator in most cases. However, this is um, thought to reflect the high number of women who take on the primary caregiver roles. Yeah, makes sense. Yeah. Um, I have actually seen one other similar presentation where the whole family used a walking stick. Mm. And, like, interesting, the parents were convincing the kids that they needed walking sticks. So mm. the whole family had a walking stick. So random. So random. Like if I was going to choose something to get sympathy over, it wouldn't be a walking stick. Um, There's lots of differencing of opinions when it comes to Munchausen's by proxy and whether it actually exists or not. Oh, whether it's just abuse. Yeah, so there's evidence in the pattern of behaviour described by the label of fabricated or induced illness by carers does exist. There's video surveillance that has demonstrated that there are some parents who harm their children then present the child as having an unexplained medical condition and then who consent to and indeed pursue unneeded uh, medical procedures pediatric research has also demonstrated that there are some children admitted to hospital in pediatric and emergency wards apparently suffering from unexplained illnesses that subsequently find to be caused by the parents or caregivers or who recover once the parents have left. Yeah, yeah. Um, so it does exist, this fabricated induced illness by carers, but some carers do fabricate or induce illness in the children, but the central definition is whether or not the carers who fabricate or induce illness have a personality profile of Munchausen's by proxy. Okay. So. And in Australia, they've actually separated them in the early 2000s now to assign the the carer with the syndrome of fabricated induced illness by carers or Munchausen's by proxy, depending on what protective needs the child warrants, like what yeah. what it warrants. So yeah. whether it's like, yeah, like how um, advanced the abuse is. Because Gosh. if it's really abuse, the abuse is really high, then that patient, that parent with Munchausen's by, can be diagnosed with Munchausen's by proxy. But they're like, right. they're under the same umbrella, but they're separated based on yeah. severity. It's so complicated. Know, the whole thing's so complicated because you need um, evidence and it's hard to get evidence. Yeah. Of, yeah. And can I say that the, the worst part, maybe not the worst part, but the, one of the the most difficult part for me in nursing patients like that is that the children love their parents. Oh god, so much, and the, the and, parents love them too. Well, yeah, but but you just can't. It's the most yeah. complex thing because you are like this person is mm. ruining your life. Like this person is killing you. Yeah, and all this child wants to do this whole time they're in hospital is see their parent. Yeah talk to their parent and like it, yeah it was it was so hard to it's almost like stockholm syndrome it is yeah so munchausen syndrome different. yeah exactly munchausen syndrome by proxy has never been listed in the um the dsm or the diagnostic and statistical manual of mental disorders by the american yeah. psychiatric association um as a clinically diagnosed personality or psychiatric disorder Factitious disorder by proxy, which is similar to the factitious, sorry, the fabricator induced illness by parents, is listed uh-huh. in the DSM in the appendix as a topic or 
classification for further study, but it is not yet recognised as a clinical condition. So, so I that, would be. So the factitious disorder by proxy, is that what it said? Yeah. Is that like it's not just for children? Like you could no, be doing no. it with your partner or. That, well, I guess it, I guess all of this can be done to other people. Doesn't necessarily yeah. mean children. It's just the most okay. obvious one is child because they're so yeah. vulnerable. Yeah, I wonder. And if, it would be hard like, to convince. This happens in like elder abuse. Oh, I and, would like, imagine a hundred percent. And how do you nurse these patients? <sighs> like it's wow. so challenging. Yeah. So there's some statistics uh, yeah. in Australia. In <laughs> this is recent years, but it's all like early two thousands. Like yeah. this, obviously it's very difficult to um, actually get statistics for this. Yeah, to analyse, yeah. Um, an estimated 600 cases of the two forms of Munchausen's by proxy, suffocation and non-accidental poisoning, were estimated to occur in the United States in 1996. 18 reported cases per annum were reported in New Zealand in the early 2000s. 50 yeah. cases a year were reported in the UK. Um, and They've got a significantly bigger population than New Zealand, I would think. I don't know what the population is between the two of them. Um, and there's an estimate that from one Australian study, yeah, that as I said earlier, that the annual rate in Australia is between 15 and 24 cases a year. The small numbers reported... Um, in available statistics internationally and nationally appear to point to the rarity of fabricated or induced illness by carers when compared to other child maltreatment subtypes. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and in those subtypes, it's like just straight abuse, mental, emotional, yeah. sexual. Yeah. And, I mean, because if you think about it, these people who are abusing, like these people with Munchausen by proxy or whatever you want to call it, like, um, abusing these kids, they're then involving like mm. professionals in yeah. that. It's almost like, hey, social work comes come yep. to my house. Like, yeah. So it's risky. Like it if you're risky. gonna if you're gonna inflict abuse on an on a vulnerable person, like, and then involve like people who may be able to prove that you're doing it. Mm. Like that's that that is insanity by definition. Like, yeah, that is asking to be found out. Like that's like ultimate risk taking. Yeah, like, absolutely. It's almost like you know when serial killers like kill a few mm-hmm. and then they stop thinking about it and they just start killing heaps. Like yeah, it's like that. The the rush Compulsion. is yeah is more um exciting than yeah. It's so it's so sad. So why did we choose such a sad topic? <laughs> um, so. It can present with induced symptoms, as I said, the suffocation, choking, um, apnea, or fabricated, so fictitious seizures, pains, illnesses. Um, The outcomes for the children on this spectrum of mild to severe harm and extreme cases may result in death. Um, The different behaviours of carers should be categorised according to the traditional maltreatment subtypes, so physical abuse, emotional abuse, and neglect. Um, however, the characteristics of this fabricator induced illness by carers are not always shared by the other subtypes. So there's like so much complication around what's just plain old abuse and what's uh, this fictitious harm. Yeah. So basically... Research has shown that fabricator-induced illness by carers is typically carried out by women, especially mothers or specifically mothers, Um, although there have been cases involved where fathers, foster or adoptive parents and cases of other relatives involved. Uh, So the most following characteristics may be present. Um, However, they often aren't able to profile these carers to be able to use as evidence in court. So it doesn't matter what kind of profile you build off these characteristics, it's often not admissible in court. So they're usually the care, the child's primary caregiver. They often initially present as good carers. They're usually accomplished liars and manipulators. 
they're usually the ones consistently present or associated with the onset of the child's symptoms when the care is absent, symptoms or illnesses are not reported or may begin to improve. This is why it would be this would be mm. much easier to diagnose than um straight yep. munchausen, yeah. Because yeah, you you separate Take them the away. child from the parents and they start getting right. better. Um, they may have a history of self-induced symptoms or illness exaggerations, falsifications or inductions of their own. They may have mental health evaluations indicating they are normal. Um, they may have no prior involvement with child protective services. They may appear to be over-anxious, over-protective, mistaken or deluded. They may have a background in health professional or unusual degree of knowledge about health and they may seek publicity or attention from a variety of people. Parents and caregivers do not necessarily stop their behaviours towards the child when under suspicion or caught but may change tactics by changing health professionals, denying all or part of what they have done when um, there's overwhelming evidence, accusing their accusers and shifting the blame onto those who are aware of their behaviour. Like, it's, yeah. It's, it's so much gaslighting. Involved. Yeah. yeah. So obviously in Victoria, um, we have mandated reporting of any um, abuse or neglect when it comes to children. So if yes. we suspect that a child is in need of protection of abuse uh, from abuse or neglect, we must report it to child protection um, as part of the Victorian Department of Family Health, Fairness and Housing. Basically, you would treat it like any other case that you suspect abuse. You can't, we can't. It's very hard to diagnose at that initial point of no, exactly contact. And it actually doesn't always present as abuse. So, like, it, um, it's even more <laughs> tricky than um, previous abuse, like sexual abuse or physical abuse. You know, I really thought we were going to have to talk to a social worker the day that Mick um, pulled Ollie's elbow. Oh, yeah, but I suppose it's how you present as well. Like, Yeah, and and I think I didn't realise that it was such a common presentation. Like I, yeah. I honestly hadn't. I mean, I think because they're in and out in, like we were literally in and out within 20 minutes. Yeah. But, like, I was really worried about, like, I wasn't there at, like, when the injury happened. So I'm like, if they ask me and then I'm not there and Michael's story is that he pulled her to stop her from throwing a rock at someone's window, like, is that a reasonable enough story <laughs> for us not to need to speak with a social worker? Like, I was like, oh, my God, are we going to, like, have, are we going to have someone knocking on our door being like, we've come to, you know, for a welfare Check your child, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, um, so yeah, I mean, the you most... would just you would just report it, like yeah, um, as in if you if had you any suspected that a exactly. child was being abused, yeah. Um, and I mean, if if it's if it's not, it's not like your intentions are good. Yeah, but I mean, a lot of these cases would be like include a lot of physical harm as well, so they might actually have ongoing effects from that, like you know, yeah. evidence. One of the most famous cases of Munchausen by proxy, and there's been TV shows and everything made about it, is Dee Dee Blanchard and her daughter um, Gypsy Rose. Have you heard about this? I don't think I have. I think you've so, might have mentioned it. Yeah, so I watched the TV show The Act um, and she's been on Dr. Phil. Gypsy's been on Dr. Oh. Phil. Anyway, she the abuse of Gypsy started when she was three months old. I'm giving you like a real quick rundown. Okay. This is just yeah. like the dot notes go and watch yeah. the tv show it's bloody interesting cool um uh patricia arquette plays dd blanchard and she's oh, so good yeah. yeah um so the abuse of gypsy started when she was three months old when dd thought her baby had sleep apnea and so began multiple hospital admissions um over her childhood gypsy had cancer muscular dystrophy hearing and vision problems seizures gypsy was in a wheelchair she used a walker she had a feeding tube Ooh. and none of nothing could be nothing was ever uh diagnosed right in 2005 hurricane katrina devastated the area that they were living in and they were relocated to her previous hometown in missouri they medically airlifted them out of there because she was so sick so Dee Dee claimed that the hurricane destroyed all of the medical records, including Gypsy's birth certificate. 
in her new play, uh, hometown in Missouri, um, they became quite well known as the, you know, the poor family that had to run, were destroyed by Hurricane Katrina and she had a severely disabled daughter and she was a single mother. Um, Habitat for Humanity actually built them a house with a, a purpose built house for, with a wheelchair ramp and a hot tub and like all yeah. these things for them. They had funding from, um, multiple charitable donations they were in the local media they got free flights um for medical appointments to go for to see specialists in other states um she went backstage at a couple of concerts she had free trips to disney world she had to make a wish foundation stuff like this woman milked it to the extreme yeah gypsy was basically almost toothless because her teeth were so decayed from the treatments that her mother would do on her mouth to make her drool she got her salivary glands removed because of this excess drooling she wore huge glasses although had no visual issues um gypsy spoke in this real childlike voice even though she was um at this point quite like 18 20 okay um her mother shaved her head and would make her wear wigs to make her look like a cancer patient, even though there was no reason for it. If they went out, they took in her wheelchair, they took oxygen tanks, feeding tubes, and Dee Dee was also physically abusive towards her to control her. Um, Gypsy had multiple operations, so many medical procedures, hundreds of scans, countless blood tests, was socially isolated from everybody and also from her family. Um, as Gypsy grew older, she was like always confused about her age because her mum basically made her younger than she was. Her yeah. father rang her for her 18th birthday, um, but she believed she was only 14 at the time. Oh. Um, she started to become suspicious of her mother when she heard doctors talking about her, that there was nothing wrong with her because they all thought she was like, um, like cognitively not right. So they would talk around her and, oh. and she started to cotton on that there's, the doctors are saying I don't have muscular dystrophy or they don't understand why I'm sick because there's nothing wrong. Yeah. Um, Gypsy eventually used to sneak onto her mum's laptop and join the world of the internet and began speaking to people in the outside world. She met a man online who she spoke to all the time um, and they made plans to meet up. Uh, when she was going to the movies with her mum. So they accidentally met in the foyer, like okay. he ran into the mother and then during the movie <laughs> they snuck out and had sex in the toilet. Yeah. <laughs> so they continued this relationship online and began to fantasise about killing Dee Dee. Um, apparently the text messages and stuff they sent each other were like extremely sexual. Dee Dee, um, Gypsy lived in this fantasy world. She loved um cosplay and going okay. to those kinds of conventions and dressing up and stuff so she had this like real fantasy world in her head she managed the boyfriend she managed to convince the boyfriend to come to the house and then and stab her mother to death so gypsy stayed in the bedroom gypsy supplied like the knife and everything and was basically telling him like you know if you kill my mother like you know, we will be free from all this. She was also trying to get pregnant by him. So, oh my god, yeah. Um, they had sex after he killed her mother, and then this is what their downfall was because they probably weren't that smart. He had autism as well, so there's a lot of there was a lot well, of backwards and forwards during the trial about whether he was confident. Because she obviously has no sense of reality, and she no. obviously like. I mean, she's oh had god. like twenty odd years of constant abuse for her entire life. But she mailed, they mailed the murder weapon back to his house. <laughs> like they just, instead of just leaving it there, or like they mailed it back to the house and then they oh. caught a bus and went back to his house and then he basically, she moved in there and then it didn't take long once they found Dee Dee's body for them to track her down. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then the the knife just turned up at the house in the mail. So they were like, oh, oh. the murder weapon. Like. Oh. Initially, neighbours thought that someone had killed Dee Dee and kidnapped Gypsy. Right. Um, so there was like a GoFundMe was um, set up to like oh. pay for the funeral, to find Gypsy, like all this stuff. 
Um, so when it went, did go to trial, it was like super complicated by Gypsy's horrific past with her mother and also her boyfriend who, like, it was like, who led who into it? Like Gypsy was saying, I didn't want him to kill my mom. I wanted to get pregnant. And then mom would accept him and this relationship and see that I was okay. But there are text messages saying from her that were pretty convincing that around yeah. like they fantasized about how they would kill her and oh, they talked yeah. excessively about it but then um, you have to wonder like um is her sense of justice skewed and yeah is her, like does she have a real understanding about what's right and wrong well with her she was like, found to, that it, she did um right. so she was sentenced to 10 years in prison because she um basically spilled all the beans and got a Probably be better than living with um, a sentence mother. plea. Well, she actually is quoted as saying that life in prison is actually has is more freedom for her than living with her mother because in prison she's treated like her own person. Wow. Um, her boyfriend was sentenced to twenty five years yeah. because they deemed him that he should have known better. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but like Gypsy and her, her family is very supportive of Gypsy. And believe that Dee Dee got what was coming to her, and that yeah. it was, and people had questioned her years ago, but did nothing. So obviously, they feel incredibly guilty about it. I really um, didn't see this story going down the road of murder. I saw it going down the road of her suing yeah. her mum for millions and millions of yeah. dollars. Like that should have been what happened, and then suing whoever, like medical people, and suing the government for nobody. Yeah. Like, Nobody so protecting her from over the, the years, three months. Like, like people did, like it's written in the notes that people were like concerned about what the mother was doing to her, and but no one ever filed a complaint or followed through. So, so child protective services had gone to their house multiple times, but you know when you're the poor Gypsy Rose, if she had just gone to a lawyer instead of seeking yeah. a hitman. She might have actually. I don't come know out. if she's. I don't know if she. She just got married in 2022. She's still in prison, but she she didn't get married. Nah, no, to a different no. bloke. Um, but I don't in prison to someone yeah, that she's probably never met. Well, they would have had um. They would have had a uh, what are those she visits called? Online. Oh, cross. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, her life is probably like way better off than it was. Yeah. But still, like she might still get pregnant in prison. It's just have a little prison baby. A little prison baby. Um, it's a really good show though. There's lots of docu's and and stuff. Um, so, so traumatic about her, but yeah, she. Um, so I'm she too was emotional sentenced. at the moment to watch anything to do with children. She's oh no, this is like it's a real TV show. It doesn't show any abuse yeah. or anything. Yeah, right. Um, so she was she was sentenced to ten years in 2016. So she'll be out in a couple of years. Hmm. We should get her uh, on the pod. Let me just. <laughs> she probably talked. She talked to Dr. Phil. Fuck. They were both a lot. This is like a heavy episode. This but, is um... heavy. <laughs> I haven't even had any opportunities to be funny. But anyway, I thought it was quite interesting. I thought um, I really enjoyed it. Like, I hope our listeners it. let us know if they like these heavier topics, if they like us being the more mellowed out versions of ourselves. If our there's song. like any particular diagnosis or like illness that you'd like to, us to deep dive like we have with this one let us know nothing that it's a lot of work nothing no, boring it was a lot of work <laughs> <laughs> nothing boring but like yeah like cool things like this that are like no one really knows about you very rarely see just i think we could do more case studies of these kind of things like looking into actual specifics of like maybe not yeah. this specifically but um that gypsy rose story is super fascinating and i wonder if there's um other like you know, I don't know other people's stories that are that are equally as fascinating. Oh, I'm sure, there are. Mm, let us know if there's anything you think that we really could sink our teeth into. We love getting suggestions, and mm. um, thanks to Liam who sent us this topic as an idea because um, it is something a bit different for us. Like we don't often go into diagnosis no. or. Um, we know mostly just talk about feet and poo. And we picked, like, the hardest ones to do for the first time because, like, really it's difficult to diagnose, difficult to treat. There's not yeah. a lot of <laughs> stats not on it. a lot like, of data. So, like, mm. sorry if you're just as confused as you were at the start because, like, it's a bit like that. 
Um, if you don't want to get sick and go to hospital, though, I insist you go and rate us five stars on the podcast platform that you're listening to it on. It'll make you feel better. <laughs> It'll make, <laughs> make you mentally feel better. better. <laughs> yeah. um, give us a follow on our socials at Two Humorous Nurses Podcast on Instagram and head to Facebook. We got a fa- yes. Facebook. We have a Facebook group. We yeah. put out some conversations. It's just a private group and it's very, um, you know, casual very casual. Uh, we're, we're like, there's a whole, there's a whole other demographic here that we're that we're ignoring. So um, yeah, we thought we'd get in on the private Facebook group. So um, it's literally just two humorous nurses podcast, I think. Yep. Um, sure and is. we can't wait to engage with you there as well. Um, what else can they do, Kelly? They can send us an email to hello at twohumorousnurses.com. That's humorous like the bone. H-U-M-E-R-U-S. Bye. That was a good one. That was a good one.